0: Good morning, Journey Church. Welcome today. Uh, If you are with us, we have an awesome crowd here this morning. It's good to see so many of you out today. And uh, if you're at home watching or on vacation, we have people that are watching us from spring breaks uh, far away. Uh, So welcome to our time together. If you've never come to worship with us, maybe you've joined us online at some point, never been in a building, we'd love to have you come and share. Uh, Especially want to focus on next Sunday, Easter Sunday, be a great Sunday to to get back into church. But man, this is an awesome time of year, isn't it? I mean, isn't it great? The grass is greening up, and uh going to give you something to do here in a little bit, some mowing, but I mean, in spite of that, we got, um, you know, warm weather, we got Easter coming up, we got spring break, uh, we got the vaccine, if you take it, we got everything. We got cash in the mail, right? I, know, I thought I'd hear an amen on that or something. You know, uh, free money, right? Last year, $1,000, earlier this year, what, 600 bucks? 1400 now, flowing in, flowing in. Who doesn't want free money, right? But well, we know that money, nothing is really free, right? Nothing is truly free out there. A lot of people are kind of worried about handing out free money, especially for a lot of folks who haven't been impacted in a deep way by the t- pandemic. We'll take it, but we're concerned about that. And a lot of us are concerned, the problem is our government seems to have forgotten that they don't have any money, right? Not like there's buckets of money out there, the money that they tend to give away so freely actually belongs to the people that they're giving it to, the people in the country who don't have a say in that. So we're kind of concerned about that, whether you're on the right or the left, you have a little bit concerned about all the free money that's flowing out because you're worried about how they're spending your money. But, you know, I was looking this week that the national debt is $28 trillion. Now, if you never looked up to see what a trillion dollars is, you should go online and just get a visual of that. It's just hard to imagine how much money it is. Uh, If we were to pay that off today, it would be about $85,000 for every American. Are you ready to pay your part of that? Most of it's not, right? Not to worry, though, we have a plan. At the rate that we're going, we should be able to pay off this $28 trillion in about 850 years. Not to worry, all right? Now, you know, that sort of thing troubles us, doesn't it? Some of you are off already. I've lost you because you're worried about paying the debt, right? I mean, it's easy for us to get worried about the government spending money it doesn't have, spending our money, or say. uh, but, But before we do that, we need to stop and acknowledge that many of us, if not most of us, are probably guilty of the same thing. Only the money that we're spending that isn't ours actually belongs to God, because most Christians spend time and money as if it were actually theirs. Forgetting that they have given their lives to Christ, then everything that they have, including their time, money, everything, belongs to God and is to be used for His purpose and His will and not ours. And even if you're not a Christian, let me tell you, it still all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. You know, uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If you want to wonder, does this belong to God? Yes. You don't even have to wonder. Everything belongs to God. Why is that true? Because God made it. It would not exist without God. Our elected officials who spend so freely can one day face accountability, maybe on election day, but every one of us are going to be held accountable by God on judgment day. We're going to have to give an account for our lives and how we use what God entrusted to our care. So in this series we've been in for a few weeks now, we're calling Walk the Line. And, you know, walking the line has the idea of doing some things that you may not want to do. And we talked about spiritual disciplines and we've spoken of several. Last week was evangelism, which is hard for us to do and we don't always do it, we neglect that. And today we're gonna to be talking about stewardship of life. We're gonna talk about using the life that God's given us and the resources that we have, our time, our money specifically for God. To recognize that God has given every one of us great blessings. He's entrusted to every one of us certain things, and we're responsible to manage them according to his will. In fact, the Bible calls this stewardship, and we don't use that word a lot. I was trying to think, how do we use the word steward only on an airplane do we use the word stewardess anymore? Steward, stewardess. We don't use that word, but here's another word that's the same thing. It's the word basically manager, It's a manager who administrates that which belongs to someone else. So if you were to own a business, you didn't want to be in there every day, you might hire a manager to manage it for you, and they would act in your place, and they would use what you own to hopefully get more money, make more money, but they can never forget that it still belongs to you. And if they forget that, and they start using your money for themselves, we call that embezzlement, which is a crime, right? And a lot of owners never realize that their managers are embezzling until it gets big, and then it all blows up, right? And there's a day of judgment. There's a day of uh, accountability. Now, if you're here today and you are a Christian, at some point you've realized that you need Jesus to save you, and you've given your life to Christ. You've given him the most important thing that you have, your life, your present, your future, your eternity. You've entrusted God with this amazing gift of life that we have. But along with that comes the acknowledgement that you and everything you own belongs to God. A lot of times we forget about that, right? Kind of what Tony said, we're blessed and then we start assuming we did it and then we forget about God. So everything that we have should be at God's disposal to do with as he wills and if you don't you're actually embezzling from God. None of us would think that we're criminals, that we're guilty, but we really are embezzling from God if we don't manage what God has given to us. And recognize that God owns your time. He owns your life. He owns your words, your family, your job, your home, your bank account. He owns everything. He's given that to you, and He doesn't necessarily ask you to give it all back or to give it away to anybody else. Here's the neat thing. Actually, God gave it to you for you to enjoy. So you're blessed because God's given you this, but never forget who it really belongs to. And we have to acknowledge his ownership and his authority over what we have. So if you're gonna grow in your spiritual life, you have to acknowledge the spiritual discipline of stewardship. You have to be obedient and please God. And to do that, you gotta grow in the area of stewardship. Today, I wanna focus on two, like I mentioned before, of the main areas of life where Christians struggle with this, and that is time time. And money, the, um, the clock and the dollar, the two important things in our life. You know, I've heard many years ago, and it's true, that if you want to know what's really important to someone, look at two important indicators, their calendar and their bank records. I used to say checkbook, but nobody says checkbook. Nobody uses a checkbook anymore, right? So whatever, however you look at your records, you can go online, you can see where you spend your money. That would be helpful to you sometime. If you wonder where your money went, just go look and see where it went. And you'll you'll discover what really is important to you how you spend your time and money, because those are the two most valuable assets that we have. So we're going to be talking about those two things. We're going to talk about the stewardship of life and begin by talking at the stewardship of time. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live life assuming that we're never going to die. I mean, we, it's in the back of our mind, but we don't plan for that And we go through life not valuing the time that we have. And in many ways, time is more valuable than money. Because we will make more money, but we only have so much time. Time can make you money, but money can't make you time, can it? And God has given you every second of your life, every opportunity. And we don't value it. We really don't until we get older or until we get an illness. And then we start worrying about I've wasted so much time in my life. We need to value it now. Paul says that you need to make the most of every minute of your life, every opportunity. Be intentional in how we spend our time because God has given us this amazing freedom in choosing how we spend our time. And I want you to think back just for a couple of days. You can't think over your whole life or the last year, but I mean, think about the last few days of your life. How have you spent your time? Have you been spending it wisely? I mean, you know, let's get personal. Have you been oversleeping, napping all the time? You've been watching Mindless TV? I find myself doing that. I'm not really a TV person, but I sit there and just watch it reruns that I've seen multiple times and I'm like, "Why? Is that a good use of my time? I'll never get that time back again. You know, surfing the net, watching videos on your phone, you know, somebody else doing something that's mindless as well, playing video games, honestly. If we were to be honest about much of the things that we do and how we spend our time are a total waste of the time God's given us. And when it comes to important things that we know we should do, what do we say? I don't have time. I don't have time. We have time for the things that are important to us. Now, maybe on the other extreme, you're the kind of person that you spent ridiculous amounts of time working, trying to amass physical, material things that, like the world around us, says you're supposed to do. Have you been doing that? Have you been wasting time or spending time making, trying to make money to get more and more things? Or on the other hand, have you been investing in the eternal things of God, in the important things of God, in just taking time to invest in people? You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And I will say that where your heart is will also determine how you spend your time. For some people, it's making money. For other people, it's pleasure, entertainment. For some, it's in sports, recreation. And for some, it's the kingdom of God. Because where your heart is can clearly be seen by how you spend your time. Let me just say this. God isn't calling us, I don't believe specifically, to sit and read our Bibles all day. Even though we could read our Bibles much more, it would be good for us. God knows that we have jobs. He's given you the job that you have that you may hate. God's given it to you. He's given you your schedule that is killing you. Uh, You could cut that down. He probably hadn't given you everything on your schedule. But he's given you responsibilities. But God wants you to count your moments, plan your time, be intentional about what we do. Let me ask you this. Have you ever known that God has a mission for you to do, but you did not want to go do it? And again, we always use that phrase, I just don't have time to do it. Or you just don't want to do it. You know, remember Jonah in the Old Testament who was called to go to Nineveh, spend some of his time in Nineveh preaching? He didn't want to go, right? Didn't turn out so good for him. He spent a few days in the belly of a well. you know. Sometime when God says, I got a job and you don't do it, you know, you end up paying for it. But recognize that time management is a spiritual discipline. And it's a step in our spiritual growth. A lot of people think only about what they want to do with their time, and they never consider that God has a plan for them and their time, that God may have people that he wants them to be investing in. You know, many of us live with no sense of urgency and no sense of awareness that our time here may be limited, that God has a mission and a purpose, and we're missing that purpose. We're missing the purpose that God has for our life. Or maybe our time may run out before we accomplish our purpose. And you know what? I think that's okay as long as we're actually doing it, as long as we're engaged in purpose. If we spend our life doing what God's called us to do and our, our time and, and balance it well, that's okay. God will give us the end of our, allow us to, to have an ending of our, of our life and our mission. But you're not, we're not to idle our days away doing things that don't really have any value, no eternal value at all, but rather spend the God's given us, time that God's given us in ways that will make the greatest impact for eternity. How often do we think about what we are doing? How will it impact eternity? We're thinking about how it will impact our future, our financial future, or relationships, or what we enjoy, but how much of what we do will actually impact eternity. And that means that as we walk through life, we're going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness I mean, that's a basic rule in life. Seek first the kingdom of God. As we continue to trust in him, he's gonna provide us with all the things the rest of the world is so worried about accumulating. But how much time do you actually spend in the work of God? I'm not talking about in church or in your journey group or studying the Bible, but in actually doing the work of God, being the hands and feet of God, working for him, going for him, serving him, you know, helping his people reaching out to lost people. Jesus said this, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. We know that about our physical day, right? Now, we push it because we got lights and we can (laughs) go beyond dark. But for most people, when it gets dark, it works over. And what he's saying here basically is we have a day of lifetime and then night comes when it's all over. When we die and our works that we have done are brought before the Lord. If you really want to follow Christ, if you want to grow in him as your, his disciple, you have to become disciplined in how you use your time. And all of us could, all of us could improve. I, gotta be, I could definitely improve in that. Use our time in worship, in service, and in investing in his work. Your time doesn't belong to you. But you've been given it, and every, everything else you have belongs to God. And one day, we're going to stand before God, before the judgment throne of God, and give an account of how we have used our time. And oftentimes, we don't think about the significance of the time of our life until our life is gone. All right, but stewardship involves, obviously, more than our time. It also involves the stewardship of money. The other blessing, that big blessing God's given us. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a parable about a wealthy man who put a steward, he uses that word in some versions, or a manager in charge of his money, only to later discover that his manager has been embezzling, and then he calls him in to give an accounting. Now, realizing that he has been caught, this manager begins to use the master's money to actually make friends for himself so that when he no longer has a job, he at least has some friends and maybe can get another job. Now, while this is clearly wrong, Jesus points to this man as an example of someone who is shrewd. And he says this, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. That the people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are believers, basically. Now, Jesus doesn't condone this man being dishonest, but he points to how clever and shrewd that he really is. And the moral of this parable is that the wicked man can be shrewd in the things that are temporal. If we can be that, how can we be much more shrewd in the things that God has given to us and the things that are eternal, not just money, but more than important than that? So Jesus said this immediately after this parable, "'Whoever can be trusted with very little "'can also be trusted with much, "'and whoever is dishonest with very little "'will also be dishonest with much. "'So if you have not been trustworthy "'in handling worldly wealth, "'who will trust you with true riches?' And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, you'll be devoted to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In our world today, we are much more likely to serve money. Pursuing it, spending it, enjoying it, saving it, whatever you do with it, that's where our hearts are, I believe, more than turned toward God. But Jesus is saying this, that if we can't be trusted to manage the money he gives us as he asked, then he is not going to trust us with the truly valuable things of the Spirit. That's pretty simple. It's pretty harsh to hear, isn't it? But on the other hand, if we are faithful stewards of money, then we will be given more and greater things. You know, I know that all of us feel like that our money is money that we have, we have earned it, and we should keep it. And that God doesn't have a claim on it, but this isn't true. It is not true. God doesn't need our money, but God does demand that we give to him to acknowledge his authority. And not doing that basically is embezzling, it's stealing from God. And one day we're going to give an account to God about it. That's as clear as any teaching in the Bible. I know it's not popular. I know that we ignore it, but it's, it's just there and we can't do anything about it. So how do we think about money? How do we view that in our life? Let me give you four four ways to think about money that maybe will help you understand how we should view it and how we should use it. First of all, money is a trust. It is a trust. God has entrusted it to our care. Who does it belong to? It doesn't belong to our boss who gave it to you. It doesn't belong to us when when we earned it, but it belongs to God because he made everything. He gave us life, opportunity, our job, health, a car to get there. God's done that. So God is entrusted to our care, but he's given it to us to invest on his behalf. And the idea here is that God's going to get a return on his investment. That God lets you use a great deal of it, most of it, but but some of it needs to be returned to him. And if he trusts us with a little and we use it wisely, he will trust us with more. Guys, that's a principle. And here's the thing, we short ourselves all the time because we don't trust God like this. We actually hurt ourselves. That's why God says, he who is faithful in a little is with thing is faithful also in much. So money is something that God has entrusted to us. He is saying, here, use this. There's a, par- a couple of parables in the Bible that are just clear about that a master gave certain, uh, gave money or talents to certain servants and said, now go use it for my, uh, use it for your enjoyment, but use it for my benefit. It's a trust. Secondly, money is a tool. Money is just a tool. God expects that we're going to use the tool to further his kingdom here upon the earth, using it as best as we can to reveal his glory and to relate his gospel to those around us. God's given us money as a tool to make the kingdom grow, to invest in the world so that he He would receive the glory. Money is never something that should become an end unto itself. It's never something that we should just say, my goal is to amass this kind of wealth. But instead, money is something, a tool that we use to accomplish a greater good. It's kind of like a rope. You know, you have a rope, and that rope doesn't have a lot of value, but you throw the rope into the water to save someone from drowning, and then it has value, right? But you couldn't have saved them without the rope. And money is like that. We ought to view it that way it's to reach out to people who are lost, those who are struggling. It's to to bless them and bring them to God. It has value, but only to the degree that it's used properly, not to the degree that it's used to further our kingdom, but God's kingdom instead. So, money is a trust. It's a tool. It's also a test. Money is a test, I believe. God oftentimes gives us something of lesser value to see if he can trust us with something of greater value. And if he can't trust us with the small thing, something as temporary, and is replenishable as money, then why should God trust us with spiritual things of greater eternal value? If God can't trust us to make good decisions with the small amount of money that we have, it stands a reason that we can't be trusted with the large amount of money that we may want. We all think if I could just win the lottery, first thing I'd do I would tithe. You know, <laughs> everybody I've ever heard of says that. You know, what I could do for God if I could win the lottery, right? But if you're not Tithing, or you're not giving of what you little you have, it's not likely you would tithe of that either. God says that's our human nature. That's just what we are. Money is a test. God knows how little or mu- how much you can handle, and he blesses accordingly. That parable, I mentioned a few, those parables a few moments ago. He gave one guy one talent. He gave another guy five. He gave another guy ten or two or three, whatever the, however he divvied them out. But people had different abilities, and so he blessed them according to what they could use. Here's the thing, many people rob not only God, but themselves, because they're not faithful with what they have, and they struggle when they could be faithful and they could have more. The Bible teaches that. Not a health and wealth thing at all, it's just a basic principle of trusting God and being faithful. Thirdly, money is a thermometer. So it's a trust, it's a tool, it's a test, it's a thermometer, and that it takes our temperature spiritually. How we spend our money reveals the truth about our spiritual lives. Jesus was very clear on his teaching on money, and he says, if, if, if you're not investing a portion of what God has given you in the kingdom of God, you are not a faithful and growing Christian. Now, that's a hard statement. After I wrote that, I looked back and I said, wow, that, that's, not a, that's not fun to hear, is it? But it's true. It really is true. If you're not investing a portion of what you have, then you're not a faithful and growing Christian. Jesus said that, you know? I know that's harsh, but money is a thermometer of our spiritual life. If we don't trust God to provide for our needs and refuse to give like he commands us to give, then we really don't trust him at all. We're not really trusting him. How can you give your life to Christ if you're not willing to give something as simple as money? How can we say, I'm going to give you my life and my eternity, but I'm not going to trust you to help me manage my money? I mean, that's inconsistent, As well, you know? You can't separate the stewardship of your money from the rest of your spiritual life. There was a story in the gospel when Jesus confronted a rich man about his love for money and uh, how he loved money over God. And the rich man walked away because he didn't want to trust God to provide. Because Jesus said, why don't you give all your money away and trust God like that? And the rich man walked away because he loved money. Now, God doesn't, I think, ask us all to do that. He may ask someone, and if he does, you need to do that. But he doesn't ask us to do that. But what he says, I want you to manage it the way I tell you. But it's a choice that you have, and what we decide really reveals our heart. Now, those things are hard to hear, I, I know, but, but, but they're true. And one day, we'll have to answer for how we've done, how obedient we've been. Time and money, things we love, things we love to control, and things that tell the story of where our heart really is. And we can all do better in these areas. That's our goal. You know, we don't need to berate ourselves and beat ourselves up about it. We just need to say, you know what, I got to do better in this. I'm going to grow as a steward of what God's given me. So let me give you a couple of suggestions how you can do that. First of all, assess your time and money usage. A lot of us feel like that we are re- doing really good with our time, and we're really doing really good with our money, um, but we don't know. So write down how you spend your time and what you're doing with your time. Write down where you're spending your money, and you'll be surprised. I'm sure that we all would be a little bit shocked of where our money really going. And also ask yourself, how much of what I have am I using to grow the kingdom of God, or am I using it to grow my kingdom? Am I building for me, or am I building for God? And here's the prediction I'm going to make as you assess that. If you are giving faithfully, you have enough money. You have enough money. I've never met anybody who was giving sacrificially to God who who had money problems. I don't know why, but... Maybe it's contentment. Maybe it's just the blessing thing from God. But if you're giving faithfully, you have enough money. But if you're not giving any or very little, you never have enough money, never have enough. And you can't even imagine giving some of it away because you don't have enough right now. That's just a basic principle. Secondly, after you set, it, set some goals. Write down what you think you should, how you should use your time. Write down some things that you should do and some things you should avoid doing. If you're honest to say, you know, I'm spending too much time doing that, that's a waste of time and also write down how you manage your money. Start tomorrow with time. You got a brand new day tomorrow morning. Start tomorrow with your time and start with your next paycheck for money. And let me give you a principle here and you probably know this, but the Bible teaches that one tenth of your money belongs to God. So here's what I would challenge you to do. The next time you get paid, you give away the first 10th of your next check and you see if you don't have enough to get by. You just see that. It may not work for you. I've never heard of it not working, but may, maybe you're the exception, but it will hurt. It will work. Just do that. It will also hurt, by the way. Um, but, uh, but, but try that and see if you don't have enough to get by. Most people will actually have more money at the end of the week or at least the same amount as if they had not given any away. That's just how God works. God can do more Or you can do more in your life with God's help with nine tenths than you can with ten tenths. That's just the way it works. Number three, exercise some faith. This is what it's going to take on our time and money. Step outside your comfort zone. By the way, that's what faith is all about, right? When was the last time you ever took a step of faith? In your time, especially in your money, you can definitely take a step of faith and see if God is trustworthy. I believe he is. Do what God commands you to do. Trust him to take care of everything else. And you will find out whenever you surrender your life to Christ, you can accomplish more in a smaller amount of time than when you control it. And the same thing goes for your money as well. Money that is surrendered to his control goes a lot further, lasts a lot longer than money that's under your control, and you get a lot more joy out of it as well. Now, the things that I've talked about today, especially about money, I know, that, that's radical. It's very disconcerting. It's annoying. It's offensive. It's offensive. I told him in our, our early morning meeting, I was probably going to offend everybody this morning, and that's all right, because I'm offended, you know, uh, by the whole thing. But the call of Jesus is a radical call. It's an offensive call. It's why everybody doesn't follow Jesus, you know, they, various reasons, but this is one of them. But following Jesus is a call to total surrender. It's a call to follow him in totality, not just partially. It, it is a call to life service, not lip service. You know, we can stand you know, before God and say, all to Jesus I surrender, except my time and my money. But everything else you can have, you know? And, and that's not honest. It really isn't. And we can't expect the world around us to believe that we're sincere and that we're, you know, honest about it when we're not practicing what we preach, and that's an important part of our witness and testimony. You know, Jesus didn't give just lip service. He gave life service. He gave everything. On the cross, he laid it all down. He left the, the, the glory of heaven for the grief and the pain and the suffering of the cross. And he surrendered all of that for us through, because of love so that one day we could have eternal life. And sometimes we forget that in the middle of life and the pursuit of doing everything else that the world tells us is important. Your own time, do your own thing, more money, more things, everything else, we all buy into that. We're all guilty. (coughs) But the truth is, none of that matters in the end. That one day our time is going to be over with. And all the time that we have had, when that's gone, and all the money that we have, we leave it for somebody else to fight over. Is that really smart? We use, need to use both of those for his glory, and we're here one day, and this call comes back to the parable that Jesus told about the faithful servants, and you know what he said at the end of the parable, to the ones that were faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's what we want to hear, but to hear that, we have to be faithful over the things in this earth. That's a tough spiritual discipline. I want to challenge you to think about it, pray about it. If you want to talk to me, we can argue about it. We won't argue about it. We'll just talk about it. But it's it's a hard thing for us. But I want to challenge you to think about that for your life.